Hey, everyone, are you ready to be fired up? Because I sure am. Today, I've got Robert Leonard here, and he is a young man who has just recently quit his full-time six-figure job to podcast full-time. So his podcast is number 63 in the world, and he's only been doing it for just, what'd you say, 15 months? Yeah, just about 15 months. 15 months. Leonard, welcome. Let's get you fired up. Financially independent, retire early. If you're a small business, professional, or entrepreneur, and you're looking for a way to stand out amongst your competition, then this is the podcast for you. We focus on relevant digital marketing strategies and tools to help you stand out in your industry and become the market leader in your profession. Hey, we don't hold back on this podcast. We say it like it is. And sometimes you may not like what you're hearing, but I guarantee you, you'll know the information given is truly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. So hang tight because you're about to be fired up with me, Krista Mayshore. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thanks for being here. So talk to me. Tell me a little bit about, about first of all, what's your podcast called and who, who do you go after? Who's your target audience, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I have a show. I have technically have two shows. It's one main show, but we have two episodes that go out per week on Mondays. We have a show called real estate 101, where we help in newer investors get started in real estate investing. And the second show is called millennial investing, where we help people who are between 20 and 40 uh, invest their time and money better. So typically that's in the stock market, but we also help with personal finance and entrepreneurship as well. Great. What did you do before? Where, where, when you, what was your six-figure uh, six job? What did you do? I was a corporate finance manager. A corporate finance manager. You guys, if you're listening to this and not watching it, I mean, I mean, Robert looks like he, he could be my, my son. In fact, he could be my son because I'm almost 50 and he's 26. So I could, he could actually be my son. And here he is, you know, his podcast is making it, you know, he has a multi-million dollar business in podcasting from people advertising with him on his podcast. So tell us a little bit about that, Robert. I just, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing your story. Yeah. Not, not to uh, make you feel old, Krista. My dad is 51, I think, or, oh, or yeah, 52. Yep, so yep. it, it definitely does fit. Uh, yeah. In terms of, of the podcast, it was a crazy leap because, you know, I have my MBA, I have a couple accounting licenses. So, you know, I did the whole education route. I invested a lot in my career and you know, I worked really, really hard. I'm only 26, but still climbed the corporate ladder for six, seven years as hard as I could to get to where I was. But on nights and weekends for about 15 months, I've been working every night and weekend to build the podcast. And finally, the corporate job, I never, I knew I'd leave eventually, but I didn't think it would be this soon because I really enjoyed it. And then ultimately I was given an ultimatum at my corporate job that I either needed to focus on my career or podcast and Here's the decision and um, podcasting oh, full time. You're they gave you so why'd they give you that that uh ultimately you just weren't they wanted you to like suck every ounce out of you, huh? So it was actually a, an interesting situation. So I had worked a year and a year-ish or so and no issues. Everybody that I were I reported to the CFO. The CFO that I work for had no problem with the podcast. Nobody else I knew were, like had any issues with the podcast. CEO was fine with it. We actually talked about it. We were on a business trip to Dallas and I was sitting next to the CEO and he brought up the podcast. We were talking about it, how he's a real estate investor and it was great. Everybody loved it. Fast forward a couple months, I ended up getting a new boss, a new CFO. There was a new CEO. And so the whole management team had just changed. And I got called into my boss's office and she basically sat me down and said, Hey, you're posting on LinkedIn during 
work hours and you can't be doing that. And I just said, oh boy. And so we got into this conversation. I said, well, you know, with all due respect, that's not me actually posting it. You know, I have some employees that work for me. So one, they're helping manage my social media for me. So one, it's not me. And two, there are software tools. Like we could schedule this three months in advance if we want to go out today at any time we want. So, you know, I'm not actually working on my podcast during business hours. And so, you know, ultimately the, it came down to optics and they felt it looked really bad for me to be posting on LinkedIn, what appeared to be during work hours. And so I was given that ultimatum. Mm, okay. So here we are, you know, 15 months later, now you're, you're like in the top 63 podcasts in the world on business, which is just phenomenal. Tell us, um, and I'm selfishly asking you for myself. So give us some marketing tips. How are you able to scale that so quickly? So it's really just testing. And so we started, I started working with, there was two guys, Stig and Preston. They started a podcast company called The Investor's Podcast. And they have a very, very, very successful show themselves. And then what they wanted to do was leverage the brand to launch new shows. And so I got connected with them both. We ended up launching my show as like a test and it did really well. And so that is definitely part of what gave the initial success, but they've launched six shows total and three of them have failed. Three have been successful. Two of those three have been my team's shows. So it's not just like launching with this podcast company is going to make all the shows successful. My team has had a lot of really good ideas to help us grow. And some of those things are, you know, working on the specific guests that you want. So, you know, a lot of people think that you need to have the biggest name guests ever to really grow. And what I've actually found is the bigger the names of the guests, the lower downloads that I've actually received, which is totally opposite of what I expected. Like I've had Robert Kiyosaki on the show, Kevin O'Leary, Jesse Itzler, Lewis Howes, like some really big names, but those guys don't get as many downloads as some of these like really small other guests that I've had. And so we continued to test things like that. And it just has proven true time and time again. And so we test things like that. We test different titles. We found that titles are really, really important. And then really just trying to tailor the content to what people want to listen and look at the data. So if, if a certain topic does really well based on downloads, it's probably smart to do it again. And so we do that again and continue to see until the data tells us what's working and what's not. And, you know, we started the first couple of months, we got maybe 10,000 downloads and, you know, we're targeting 300,000 this month, where we should hit 300,000 this month. So we've definitely grown a lot. And I think a lot of the team's ideas are, are working really well. Yeah. And so, um, okay. So say, say the name again in both podcasts, so people, because we, we have real estate agents, so they'll definitely be interested. The name of both of them again are what? Yeah. One is real estate 101 and one is millennial investing. Millennial investing. Okay. Okay. Great. Wow. That's, that's, that's good for you. So when you say that you actually are monetizing this, and again, I'm just going really down and dirty here and just asking you everything. What kind, how, what, what is, what does that look like monetarily when you say that you're making money off of your podcast? So we have as a whole, the podcast company has about 16 or 17 full-time employees. And then I have three specifically on my team. And so primarily it's just monetized through ads. So we just got to deal with Audible and Capital One and, you know, companies like that just pay a CPM, which is a, a revenue per thousand downloads and they just advertise on the show. And so as the show scales, it becomes more profitable. 
And, you know, there's great margins in that because we don't really have any cost of goods, really. It's just, you know, putting out the content. So it's really, really scalable in terms of, you know, that next thousand downloads doesn't cost any more for us to produce than yeah. the previous thousand. So it's really scalable and profitable. And that's really the business model. Wow. I know. Gosh, to be on, a, to be on Podcaster's Paradise, to be on uh, John Lee Dumas's, my gosh, it's like outrageous what it costs to market to a market on, on his. But that's, that was really good, valuable information saying that the bigger the name sometimes, the smaller the downloads. I wonder why that is. Well, you know, I don't know for certain, but my thesis is that let's just take Kevin O'Leary as an example. Everybody knows who Kevin O'Leary is, but, and he has millions of followers across social media. But the problem is when you interview Kevin, he's not going to go out there and share it. You know, he's not going to go on his Instagram and share a picture of it. And yeah, maybe some people will find it from searching his name, but that's probably relatively small. Whereas you get a guy who has 20, 50, maybe even a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or Instagram that are super dedicated. They get tons of likes, comments, like a really good community. And they post a picture saying, Hey, or a swipe up in their Instagram story that says, Hey, go check out this episode. You get thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads right there. And then they like the episodes. So they tell somebody else and it just continues to grow. And that's what I've found to be the most, most successful in terms of growth, because, you know, like I said, Kevin's just not going to share it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, I know I should have, I should have talked about my podcast fired up at Chris Wisher when I was just on your podcast and I didn't do it. We definitely have to redo that one, Robert. I'm, I don't think I did very good anyways. Um, I have that long hauler syndrome from COVID. So I'm still suffering from the effects of it. You know what I mean? Like it's just the craziest, craziest disease anyways. Okay. So that's awesome to know about that. So you talk about investing. So basically one of the things that he works on is, is helping young people, millennials invest, which I think is, so I'm 49. I couldn't go on your podcast. Wouldn't help me, huh, Robert? No, it would. We actually, you know, it, it, that's what it's called. And I almost didn't want to name it that because of that distinction, but I actually get comments from people all the time that say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not a millennial, but I still listen to the show and it really helps me. Or, you know, I listen to this with my two millennial kids and, you know, we all learn a ton. So those comments are actually really cool for me because, you know, they're not necessarily millennials, but they're still really enjoying the show, which I like. Are you wanting a kickstart on your business and you want to learn how to be the go-to professional in your industry? Well, guess what? I've got a challenge for you. It's five days of coaching. It's brand new. Just go to kristamayshore.com slash client conversion. That's kristamayshore.com slash client conversion. And you'll get a training with me for five straight days. That's going to help kickstart you as the go-to professional in your industry. So sign up and I'll see you there. Yeah. Well, you're just trying to niche down. I mean, like where we all know, right? The more you niche, the riches are in the niche niches. So you're just niching down and going after your ideal target audience, which totally makes sense. I understand. Um, it's funny. I, I think the niching just works so well because I teach it, I preach it. But for a while there, I was trying to actually kind of go after a broader audience, like local professionals. And it was just hard. It was just when I was trying to go out, go after you know, the many, it was like, it, it just so, so difficult. So we just strictly focused now on real estate and you know, uh, realtors and lending. So I, I get it. Okay. So um, if you were, you know, you've dealt with a lot of, of, of real estate agents and you're interviewing some of the best of the best. So tell us a few things. What are a few things that you notice that real estate agents are doing? The ones that are doing a lot of business, what are they doing? I think, and, and you probably have the same thesis as me and it's just content. You know, I think that's the way that people need to, to do things nowadays. It doesn't matter if you're a real estate agent or if you're a different profession, I think content and just being a content creator is the way to do it. And 
I forget the name of the conference, but there's a conference that Gary V speaks at. I want to say it's agents live or something along those lines where he talks about using content for agents and there's just not many people doing it. I know some agents, I'm an investor, so I deal with agents all the time and, and obviously for my personal residences and, you know, they didn't, they don't put out a lot of content. They're all just traditional agents that do this, the door knocking or the expired listings or the REO stuff that, you know, all the stuff that works, but it's just really not scalable. Like you have with, you know, content creation. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about that. Like you can't, you know, when you're doing, when you're reaching the masses, I mean, you got to think about it. So when you're creating content on social media, especially if you're running paid ads and you're having hundreds of thousands of people in your community, see you like they're literally, you can, you can see how much watch time and we're getting anywhere from 300, 500, 700 hours of watch time on every video that we produce. That is a lot. I mean, just one video does that imagine doing two or three a week over and over and over again, it's a lot more effective than doing an open house, right? Or like you can only dial so many times. There's just one of you that can show up to an open house unless you have a team, but even then it's not you. When you create content and you properly distribute it so it's being seen by the masses, like, oh my gosh, right? Like so, so, um, so much to be said about that. So what are, what are one of, what's, what's, what's some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing agents make? Agents and just entrepreneurs in general is a reliance on one source of deal flow. And so typically you actually taught me this about Zillow just a few minutes ago when we were recording on my podcast, I didn't know that Zillow had removed some of the agent info on their site, but that fits in perfect to like what I help a lot of people with in terms of like social media and side hustles and building a brand, because a lot of these people are building businesses on the backs of Instagram. And then, you know, they're getting their Instagram account shut down and that's entirely all their deal flow. And the same thing happens for agents, right? I mean, if they were getting all their deal flow through Zillow and now they just took all their information off the site, like what are you going to do now? And so just don't be so reliant on one source. And if you do content creation well or digital marketing well, you could be spread across a bunch of channels and that'll save you from that reliance. Oh, so true. So true. One of my mentors, Russell Brunson, he talks about how he used to you know, do Google AdWords and let's just say a Google word was like two cents, you know, for, for, for the word home seller or home buyer. And then all of a sudden that, that two cent word now is like $200, right? So it's like, imagine if he was just reliant on just Google AdWords, he'd be in, in big trouble. So getting yourself on, on multiple networks is really, really important as, as an agent. Um, okay. What do you think some of the biggest, what is the hardest thing for agents? Like, what do you see across the country right now, besides low inventory, we all, we all know that everyone has low inventory. We get, we get it right. But besides low inventory, what would you see are some of the most, um, some of the big mistakes that were, that, that, that agents are making? It's not providing enough of a reason to pick you. Like what, it, what is your reason as to why, like, why would I pick you over, over somebody else? I mean, the reality is, and I know agents do a lot more than just this, but the reality is today people can find most of the houses that they want right on on Zillow or realtor.com. And then they need an agent to help show the house. Like what, what are you doing? That's going to differentiate you from any other agent that they could call to ask for a showing. And there's not a lot of people that are, are doing things to separate themselves in that case. That is so well said. They're not doing things differently enough. So they're just like, they're swimming in a big red ocean of competitors. And everywhere you go, there's there's a real estate agent. Everywhere you go, there's a real estate agent that you can just touch, right? I've got I've got five, four best friends that are in real estate that literally live more than that. Like, I'm thinking, oh, more than that, right? That are living right here in my backyard. And they were 
they're, they weren't, I didn't meet them in the industry. They were, you know, they're my friends that became real estate agents, right? Because it just looks so easy. So they're, it's so competitive. So you absolutely have to have a unique, a unique value add. Okay. So let's kind of change the subject here. So investing. So talk to us a little bit about what's some of the advice that you give people for investing. I know it's obviously having multiple streams of income, but when you think about real estate investing, what kind of advice are you giving people? The first piece of advice I give, and it's not always applicable to everybody, but, and especially if you've been a successful real estate agent, you probably wouldn't necessarily want to go this way, but for somebody just getting started, I think the best way to get started investing is house hacking. And for those who don't know, that's just buying a piece of property and renting out the additional space that you're not using in that, that property. So you could buy a single family house with four or five bedrooms, rent out the other bedrooms that you're not using. Maybe you want your own space. You buy a duplex, triplex, fourplex, and rent out the additional units that you're not living in. And that way you get to, you get practice essentially. It's not practice. It's very real, but you get to learn how to be a landlord by, you know, right there. Are you looking to transform your business? Well, if the answer is yes, then you don't want to miss out on our three-day intensive event starting soon for only $97. This event is jam-packed, three full days of live coaching with me. We have breakout sessions to customize and implement our daily trainings so that you can actually utilize them into your business. We're going to give you the training to craft your personal strategy to convert your leads into long-term clients. So let's go. What are you waiting for? Register now at kristamayshore.com slash three days live. Can't wait to see you there. Just go to kristamayshore.com slash three days live and let's transform your business. <laughs> your thing turns green all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So the, the cameras have a 30 minute uh, max. But so you get to, it's like almost like a landlord light. Somebody, somebody told me once it was like landlord light because you get to learn how to be a landlord without like it being its own property. And you get to reduce your living expenses and all kinds of great features and benefits that come with that. Now, okay. if you don't want to live with, like, if you don't want to live in a duplex or a triplex with, you know, your neighbors right there or share a single family house, the next best thing I recommend for new investors is to actually start small. And a lot of really big real estate gurus, think Grant Cardone and people like that. And I love Grant, but I don't necessarily agree with, you know, his idea of always going super big right away. I think it's best for a new investor to actually start small with their first deal. And, you know, a lot of people say they wish they had went right into apartment buildings, these hundred, hundred unit buildings first. And you know, I, do I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, how do you have the money for that? Like not, not everyone just can be an investor. Like they need to come up with the money to be an investor. So for big buildings or for the small ones, like I'm talking about? Either or. So the, yeah, the big ones, that, I mean, that's my biggest complaint, right? And, and you, you talk to people and they say, well, just, you know, raise the money, you know, syndicate it or find somebody that has the money that you could use. And I mean, yeah, that's definitely possible. Money right now is easy to come by for the most part, but you don't have the experience. And in my opinion, if you fail in something like that, you're big, digging yourself a really big hole that's hard to get out of. And even if you do get out of it, you're you just probably won't get out of it and you will not be encouraged to continue in real estate. Whereas if you start with something small, the barrier to entry is a lot smaller because you don't need a ton of money. I bought my first rental with $15,000, which is not like a super small amount of money, but it's not a ton of money to get started in a rental property. And if, you know, worst case scenario, if this thing failed, the, the total property was $75,000. Like it's not a huge, huge hole. I'm not buying a multi-million dollar property. And if it works, 
then I have all this encouragement and, you know, motivation to continue to grow. And that's why I think new investors should start small. And you're getting um, loans for these properties. And, and obviously not necessarily because like in California, you can't get anything for $75,000. You can't even get a bathroom for $75,000. So obviously you have to buy out of state in, in maybe like Detroit or some of these other areas that are really, really affordable. Gosh, you can buy a house in Detroit for like 20 grand. It's an insane. I mean, it's, you know, the areas aren't the best, but, um, but it, it's, it's still a rental. Yeah. So I live in New Hampshire. I love live uh, about an hour outside of Boston. And we, we don't have in a market that's quite as expensive as California, but it's still really expensive. The properties that I'm talking about is actually in Texas. I buy all my rentals long distance and they're about 2000 miles away. And it's a full, the one I just bought last week was 72,500. It was four bed, one and a half bath, beautiful area, great school district, garage, nice yard, everything. Where I live, that's probably a $500,000 house, $400,000, $500,000 house. And so that's exactly why I went long distance because one, you need a hundred grand plus to get into that deal where I live. And two, the numbers just don't make nearly as much sense as a rental as they do down there. So I went long distance and that's what I've continued to do. So what, so what's the area, I mean, I'm just writing this down because we have some money to invest, you know, so we're going to be, so Robert, what's the, what's the exact city that you bought in over there? So I buy in Wichita Falls in Texas. It's about an hour and a half, two hours west of Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And it's about a hundred, 120,000 people there. And nice area for what you're saying. Yes. I, I mean, there are bad areas, right? Every city has bad areas, but it, yeah, there are great neighborhoods. Yeah. So talk to me, like, what's the rent? What, what kind of rent are you bringing in? Are you getting loans for these places? Or are you paying cash? Yep. We're getting loans. So I do it with a business partner. My, my business partner, Ryan and I, uh, we're both 26, 27 years old. And yeah, so we just get on our first property, we did 20% down typical. We needed 15,000 bucks and we didn't take a dollar from it. We both were pretty, you know, made over six figures in our corporate career. So we didn't need the cash flow from the property. We was looking at a long-term play. So what we did was we just let the cash flow stay in the bank account for a year or two and we never touched it. And we just bought a property last week and another one. And we used all the cash from that first property that the cash flow generated to buy the second one. And we did a little bit of renovations, a super, super light rehab. And so we bought it for 72,000. We put about 5,000 in rehab into it. It just appraised uh, last week for 93,000. And so we'll do a full cash out refi and we'll be, be into the deal for $0 uh, with about 20,000 in equity. So we essentially bought both those properties uh, with for free. We bet we essentially were given both those properties for free. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, what rental, what kind of rent are you getting from those? So that first property we bought for 65,000 and it rents for nine fifty a month. That's and, excellent. and then the second property we just bought, we bought it for 72,500 and it'll rent for about 1100 to 1200. Yeah. That's great. That's a great return on investment. Yeah. We're, it does really, really well. And you know, a lot of people kind of poo-poo the single family space, but you know, we really like it. We get really, really good tenants because they're great family type houses. They can have a, you know, we are allowed pets. So they get a pet or two, they get a really nice family feel, good schools. And, you know, we get really good tenants that take care of the properties with strong rents and yeah, it works really well for our niche. Oh, good, man. It's, it's really nice. If you're listening to this and you're young or old or, or yeah, or, or in between, you're like me and, or you've been in the business for a long time or a short time, you haven't done any rentals yet. Like there are ways and there's options. You just might not be able to do the ones that are right in front of you. Right. So like buying an investment property, um, 
in my area would just be almost impossible unless you just had a lot of money and a lot of cash, especially with what's happening right now. So Robert, that was great. I really enjoyed talking to you today. It was, it was awesome. So if you could leave everybody with one piece of advice, like just one piece of advice, whether it's real, real estate related or not, what would that advice be? Probably just become a content creator because even if you're an investor, you know, people, or if you, if you're an agent, I think it's obvious as to why, why that's beneficial. But if you're going to be an investor, you know, you're thinking, why do I need content? Well, because then people, will, again, just like in, as an agent, people will look to you as, you know, a resource or somebody that knows what they're doing in, in terms of real estate. And, you know, there's people in my life that I had no idea that had any money. And when they realized that I was a real estate investor, they came out of the woodworks. And, you know, these people that you would never expect to have money tell you that they do because they see you posting on your social media about being a real estate investor. And so a lot of good opportunities come from creating content, whether you're an agent, investor, side hustler, entrepreneur, full-time employee, whatever it is, I would just say, put out content. Uh, I, you're speaking my language. I speak that all the time. So I guess it was great that you actually had the ultimatum to just either, you know, do all in on your, on your nine to five corporate job or go all in podcasting. It looks like you made the right choice. So Robert, thank you so much for being here. I hope, I hope that, that you enjoyed yourself as much as we enjoyed having you. Everyone, don't forget, go check out Robert's podcast. We'll be sure to put it in the show notes as well. I'm sure you'll get some, some, some listeners. We don't do anywhere near as good as you, Robert. We only get around 30,000 downloads a month. So hopefully we can still bring some, some, some love your way. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to leave to the, for the audience, would you like to um, give them anything or talk about anything at all? Yeah. So I, I really just, the best thing I can give away is send me a DM on Instagram. I will always answer all your questions. I think that's the best because, you know, I could give away a resource, but generally those are going to be pretty high level. If you have any questions or specific things that you want to run by me, my, I answer every single DM that I get. I get a lot of them. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but I promise I will always get back to you. I'll, I'll help give as much guidance on your situation as I can. And your handle is just Robert Leonard? Uh, the Robert Leonard. The Robert Laird. Okay, guys, you heard it. He's going to answer your questions directly about investing in real estate. And I'm sure we'll be sending some listeners your way. Robert, thank you so much. And remember, everyone, it's great to be here and learn, but without implementation, nothing happens. So be sure to implement and as always, make it a great day. Thanks, everybody.